zero hours. Catherine Mather. Ow! Zero hours! Hello and welcome to Zero Hours Podcast with me, Catherine Mather, where I speak to comedians and creators about the best and worst jobs they've had to do to get by. Today I'm joined by comedian Ash Frith. How are you doing? I'm brilliant. How are you? I am so good. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Nah, <laughs> right. Not really. No, <laughs> no I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> um, no, but you are. You Are you good? You, you seem good. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I, can judge you. I can judge you from your chin up. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got a new computer and it only, um, it's just ridiculous heights. It won't. Um, oh, yeah, it... yeah, yeah. I have to sit quite far back. I'm quite fat, though. So if I go too close, it just <laughs> takes up too much of the screen. One, you're not fat. And two, we're talking very visual for an auditory art form here. <laughs> okay, listen, imagine a fat man. <laughs> And imagine a zoomed in face on him. And it's incredibly hot. I have opened a window. So if you can hear people knocking about outside, then I do apologise. But yeah. if I close it, no one wants to see what will happen then, that's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I'm good. You're good. Everything's good. Yeah, yeah. We couldn't, could not be better. Um, we're filming this at the recording this at the time of, I think, Eurovision happened yesterday. Oh, yeah. Did you, did you Eurovision? And I saw the results this morning. I woke up and quickly grabbed my phone and logged in to find out who had won. And just to make sure it was fully on merit. And by God, it was. What is it? The Ukrainians. They won. Could you imagine? Because we came second. Yeah. Could you imagine how much Europe would hate us (laughs) if we overtook Ukraine? (laughs) I honestly think... Because my wife went, I thought that they hated us on Eurovision. And I said, yeah, they do. Yeah. And she went, how did you become second? And I said, because Ukraine won it. <laughs> and it, No yeah. one wants to be challenging Ukraine. Like, it was exactly <laughs> what you're saying. They literally were like, fuck, I don't want to win. And France is like, I don't want to win. And Russia's probably like, well, we don't want to win. <laughs> I don't think they were in it. <laughs> no, uh, and then they were right. like, right, just give the points to the Brits. Because if they win, they'll look like proper arseholes. <laughs> that must <laughs> be what it was. I love that as well, like all the sanctions of war, all the horrors of war. What can yeah. we do? The, you know what? You're not allowed to enter Eurovision, Russia. No! <laughs> right, out of Mariupol, out of Kiev, Kharkiv. Um, I think, yeah, it's like, well, we could either stop using their gas or they could be bad from Eurovision. <laughs> That's probably the genuine thing. Well, we do need that gas at yeah. whatever the cost. We so, really um, should have invested in wind power. <laughs> we should have done so. Well, my parents live right next to a nuclear power station that's been decommissioned. So just switch that back on and see what happens, is what I say. Yeah, because I think that's how nu- nuclear power stations work. There is one big switch. Yeah, just please. pop that back on <laughs> next to yeah. the, the light switch. So it's really Yeah, easy. that's the problem. <laughs> and they've got one dopey bloke whose job it is to make sure they never get muddled up. <laughs> But there's also like loose fitting uh, labels on them. One says mm. lights, one says reactor, and he knocks them off. All the time. He, they're all jumbled. <laughs> that is it. I think that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I've, I've watched Three Mile Island uh, documentary on Netflix. It, it, oh, uh, have you? <laughs> no. I've not but, seen uh, it. No, I haven't either. <laughs> well, okay. But that is definitely how it works. Um, I'd say so. Yeah. And then there's just one extension need that plugs into it that runs out of the nuclear power station to the rest of the country. 
yeah daisy trend because they don't make one that long <laughs> yeah which isn't safe guys you shouldn't be doing that it could overheat it could <laughs> that's the real danger of nuclear power that's why that, that's why fukushima went down someone plugged mm. into an extension leads yeah didn't put a plastic carrier bag around it so the rain got to it because <laughs> that's safety first <laughs> have you seen that picture of the uh guys in the paddling pool with a extension lead on a flip-flop oh no what no, it's quite a, it's quite a famous one where they're in a paddling pool when it's like literally the the extension lead is just sitting on a flip-flop that's floating on the water oh my god like what they're just they got, gonna die what have they got plugged into it oh a, a music player i think okay but yeah so they will die well that's yeah. america so i think it's 110 volts but still wouldn't fancy it no drink no. i'm sorry i'm gonna drink very quickly no that's absolutely fine you are allowed don't edit it don't do it don't edit it it's fine yeah no no i don't edit any of this i am <laughs> i am too tired <laughs> and all of the listeners i think are very aware of that now oh yeah yeah, yeah. with the varying quality of what <laughs> yeah <laughs> just at some point a, a guest just goes right, i'll be back in a second and then you have to sit there and whistle for five minutes <laughs> yeah don't put any they go let them go get the tesco delivery in yeah yeah i uh, i actually started a patreon so if anybody wants to have better quality audio <laughs> put patreon me and then I we can... did that me and justin panks did that and uh but now because we did that and we bought mics and we bought cameras like we do ours audio audio audible audio just on audio but we do do a monthly video so we bought stuff but then um i now have this massive guilt about the product we are offering i just think it's shit and they shouldn't be paying <laughs> it's really bad i've got this weird imposter syndrome it's like oh we love it there's some money and then i go oh come on guys don't <laughs> you don't you think that's a weird thing because similarly i think if anybody and they haven't but then that's to be fair i haven't told anyone this is the first time i've mentioned the patreon oh really but, um, how yeah. long has it been going months oh so long i <laughs> i am um, i cannot sell anything but so. yeah isn't that do you not think that that is a uniquely comedian experience uh, no, no 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 decent person comedian because have you not seen the comedians who are all sales like mm -hmm. it's all and you watch them and you go i've never seen them have a good gig yeah. i've never seen that person get laughs i've always seen them die and yet there they are 15k followers <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's like that sounds so bitter but it's like what's happening and then you see them and you go oh you're a salesperson you're mm. selling and that is it you know they've got yeah like you say thousands of instagram followers and they're caught it's like a machine churning out this shit and but yeah so in that point it doesn't matter what the quality is because you're selling yourself edinburgh i went to edinburgh and i was like trying to fly in edinburgh just going oh god please take one and then if so, i i i can't i would look at people and go i they they wouldn't like it they won't like it they won't like it and then i literally started saying here's a here's the fly for my show it's just the same as every other show, but I'm in this one. That is literally <laughs> how I fly my show. I was like, I'm just, the only difference is I'm in it. And then I did one where there was about, you know, 10 people in the audience. And I walked in and I was just like, no, none of you are going to enjoy this. 
like literally you've all come to the wrong you don't know who i am you've all chosen poorly there's like some tourists in rucks still with their rucksacks on there's some people who didn't speak english and it's just like most people or not most people those people would go the sales people would go hey everyone let's do my show and i just went right this show is going to be about this like this if you can leave if you want to and then (laughs) people were like oh yes and left really yeah yeah they were just like obviously the the japanese tourists didn't want to see my show i could tell they didn't want to see my show they just walked into a show because it was pissing down yeah and i gave them the opportunity to leave and they chose to yeah um but those sales people they're incredible they are imagine having that much faith in yourself i can't believe it no i'm so pleased i don't because i think it makes you an arsehole <laughs> i really wish i did because i'm already Didn't an you? arsehole <laughs> yeah so... you might as well back it up <laughs> you might as well back it up yeah that's true with no i don't i think like i meet those people i know them the second i see them the mm. second and then you just go no not for me not for me those people is it like when you go to an open mic gig and then you see a guy and it's always a guy go on and you're like oh which drama school did you go to and they're like oh actually <laughs> yeah yeah i know i know yeah, yeah yeah well you say only a guy like i remember seeing both guys and well I call everyone guys to be fair they are all guys then um and you'd go what is this like what is this just are you doing a monologue (laughs) you know they think we're just like oh you're doing a monologue oh okay and where and that you didn't there's not gonna be any humor okay right this is just you telling a story word for word exactly the same every single time yeah and And you're from money so you'll you'll do well oh they're on <laughs> from money, yeah. but they do still have the Patreon or mm. whatever it is. The uh, please help me financially because <laughs> my mum and dad have paid for my place in London. But I do, I can pl- gig every night, I don't have to pay any rent. But please do fund me. <laughs> but it's them that get the BBC Radio 4. <laughs> we sound so bitter. I'm so bitter. I am bitter. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. But some yeah. of them are brilliant. Some mm. guys are brilliant. We should say that. Some of them are great. Yeah, I, that's it. I think uh, that you know some people are wonderful, uh, and those that there are so many good stories, um, you know, of, of positivity. But you don't want to hear those. Because I've been no. in car shares where people's like, yeah, I did such and such a gig last night, smashed it. Uh, I was at so-and-so's the week before. No. Yeah, smashed that. Yeah, that's not a good story. Who's Tell talking me about... like that? Who's talking like that? Tell me about the time you got booed off stage. Tell yes. me about the time you had to leave via the fire escape. That's <laughs> yeah. a funny story. Yeah, because I think who's actually... T- if you're doing well... You don't need to tell people you're doing well. Surely that's what doing well is. Yeah. Like if I have to, it's like when you go to a gig. Oh, hi, I'd love to come and do your gig. I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. Like, why are you telling me? Because if I knew you were, I, I'd know. I'd, it's so weird. It's so weird. But if I'm trying to get a gig that's miles away and they've never heard of me, me saying, oh, yeah, I once did this with this person. Well, they couldn't give a shit, could they? What do they care? No. 
to be fair, I send those emails. I do. You have to. You have yeah. to. I, I constantly think to myself, like, if I'm saying this, you don't know me. You don't know mm. who I am. Yeah. And everyone's got one. I've had, there was one quote, and I don't want to, I'll give the exact quote, but I want to know that I like the person who gave this quote, right? <laughs> but I think this is a bad quote that was on all of their material, all their promo stuff. And it was, uh, it just said, great set mate jack whitehall now that quote came as they passed on stage and jack whitehall was the mc right so as they're passing off <laughs> one's leaving stage and jack whitehall's walking back on stage great set mate as they're shaking hands and they used that as a quote <laughs> is that allowed <laughs> <laughs> i don't it... think so or hey no i definitely don't think like have you got any quotes from people that you yeah use? so when i was very 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 new i got <laughs> that was quotes. fine catherine <laughs> <laughs> yeah i got some quotes off people because no but i mean still nobody knows who i am but nobody is gonna come and watch the show of like fucking tommy two gigs over here totally agree totally agree i'm exactly there yes mm. agree. and i i hated myself for asking for them but i still use them now yeah no i say so you've done the right thing I totally believe that you can ask the person for a mm -hmm. quote and then that has some weight behind it because it isn't just they said it to you at the back of a, at the back of a gig. Mm -hmm. If you ask the person and they give you a quote, perfectly legitimate, like that is where a quote should come, I think. Yeah. Like all of mine, I've got three or four and they are from people who I said, would you mind just saying something nice? So they did. Please just say something nice about me. <laughs> yeah that's basically it because then it does you know it legitimizes it if it's specifically about you not just oh lovely bit of work there or they were tough but you did all right or something like yeah. rubbish it's I gotta won't... be i like ash he is good mm -hmm. from ex comedian off the telly i want to get to a point in my career where people ask me for a quote and i oh, give yeah. them a really bad one yeah <laughs> terrible joke right and no stage presence <laughs> <laughs> well it's really funny because Matt Adlington who I know gets mentioned I'd like I've heard other comedians mention Matt Adlington so I feel poor I feel sorry for Matt oh. <laughs> but he uh he got a shorter review that he had a good show but it was like a work in progress but he hadn't sort of done it as a work in progress he'd just done it as a show and then so his shorter review had some really positive stuff but then some really horrible like really not necessary nasty stuff but his quote that he uses from Chortle is um, a bit from that quote, from that thing, where it's like, Matt's a twat, this is shit, blah, blah, blah. He did show great presence on this part, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, I love that bit. <laughs> he's got that <laughs> one little nugget that's like shining light from the uh, one of the worst reviews ever known. But, oh, poor Matt. <laughs> poor old Matt, he deserved it. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, who are your quotes from? Uh, Russell Kane says, I was frithing at the mouth at his brilliance. Love That's it. a good quote. That's a nice Solid one. Quote, yeah. Um, uh, Terry Alderton said, um, I asked Ash to support me. Um, stupid me forgetting how pissing good he is. Which, oh, there's a baby at the door. Um, is it yours? And yeah, I hope so. God, Jesus, I hope so. <laughs> And uh, I've got one from Christian O'Connell, who's, uh, I don't know if you know Christian O'Connell, but he was a 
radio presenter and stand-up uh, that is destined for comic greatness, which is not true, but it's a nice thing. And uh, my favourite one is from Tapeface, which is just open speech marks, dot, 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 close speech marks. <laughs> he obviously it. can't talk because his mouth's yeah. gaffer taped up. Yeah. That's it. They're my quotes. They're solid quotes. I, I got one from Russell Kane and he said the audience were crying, which is not specific enough. In no. The, I hope he means with laughter, but he, he didn't um, clarify. So uh, do, you, do you use that one? Um, well, I got all of my promo printed and then got that quote. So it's not actually made it right. to anything yet uh, for the financial reasons. <laughs> the audience are crying. <laughs> yeah, I've got like I know this isn't I know we've not started with jobs, but just as a story, I um I went I put my back out. This is like five years ago, no more than that, maybe five, six years. It doesn't matter. I had put my back out and I went to my mum's chiropractor. <clears throat> my mum's like, go and see this lady, she's great. So I'm face down and this woman's working on my back and she went, Oh, your mum says you do stand up. I said, Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. A bit, yeah. And she went, oh, God, I hope you're better than the one we saw at Hockley Golf Club a few years ago. And then explained my act to me. Oh, no. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, um, it was like my first ever 10. Yeah. And I didn't have a 10. So I was stretching a five. And after about six, I decided to do a like made up um, clairvoyant character. Uh, where I just said, um, I pretended to be clairvoyant, and I just said um, to someone in the front row, oh, I did a few things that are like really common, just like I'm getting a D, getting a D. Uh, no, no one, no, dad, dad, whatever. All that shit. And then I said, um, have you, point to this lady, when have you recently lost a loved one? And she said, no. And I said, okay, so there's been an accident. And the whole room went, Oh, <laughs> I was like, you've got to get to the hospital now. Um, and they know? hated it. <laughs> no, she didn't. No. They hated me. They like it was like I've never seen an entire room of people turn that quick. And I've seen some really <laughs> shit comedians. Um, yeah. So and that she was at that gig. So did you tell me. her that it was you? No, I never went back. I didn't, I sort of got off the table with my back to her, like, thank you, got dressed. And I was like, bye, never looked at her. No, no eye contact ever again. No. Never went back. No, I, I get that. That's fair. So what, um, what was, what's your worst gig being whilst we're on? Was that the worst gig? Um, well, I got attacked on oh stage. Oh my God. <laughs> I got attacked by, um, I'm just wondering if I had the, so me i got asked to do this private gig so not like a corporate gig but like literally someone saying we're having a party uh we've hired this place with like two comedians and um two burlesque performers like to do like variety type thing uh and i knew or know some of the like best burlesque uh what's the word like cabaret performers i know mm -hmm. a few like i've just from i've gigged with them lots blah 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 blah. so i said okay well who i thought well i know some of the best ones 
And so I can just, when they, they, the lady said, oh, like, um, I said, what kind of thing are you looking for? And she said, well, I'm looking for, and then named my friend who was a burlesque performer. And I was like, oh, well, I'll, I don't think that she'll do it, but I can ask her whether she knows, recommends anyone. So then I got the budget and then I said to the, my friend, and she was like, I'll do it. And so I was like, I went back to the lady. I was like, well, I've got the two burlesque, I've got the actual people that you wanted, plus yeah. me and Ross McGrain, a yeah. friend of this podcast. Yeah. Um, we will come and do it for a good fee. So we went to this place, the burlesque performance went on and they were great. And the audience, there was like about 20 people, couples, and they loved it, you know, very respectful. It was, I can't think what the shows were, singing and some sort of dance thing that was great. Weird, but like weird, because it's basically in the lounge of a house. You know what I mean? It was like <laughs> right. they'd hide this place, but everyone's getting paid really nicely. Everyone's happy to be there. Then there's a break. Then I presume the guests took all of the cocaine. Right, solid. Then I went on stage and started talking to the audience and realised very quickly that this wasn't what I wanted it to be at all. This was no longer a gig. This was a battle. <laughs> and about 15 minutes in, Ross McGrain standing at the side of the stage, maybe just sort of out of the room, this guy who just attacked me, just jumped up from the front row sofa and <laughs> hit me in the face, grabbed me by the throat and tried to wrestle me onto the floor, like oh with my. all of his might, trying to, he jumped up on me and was like shaking me like a, like a UFC fighter trying to pull someone down onto the floor. But he couldn't, he didn't, like I'm quite big. And he just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't. And I was like, what, what's going on? So in the end, I just fell on him as hard as I could, like power slammed him into the floor. And now's a good point to mention that he was dressed as the cookie monster. <laughs> Naturally, yeah, of course. <laughs> he was the only person in fancy dress. No one else was in fancy dress whatsoever. It was just him. And I slammed him onto the floor. I didn't hit him, but I just sort of had mm. my hand, had my knees in him and my hands sort of pushing on his throat, basically. And then I just got off and was like, this is mad. Like, this is fucking awful. Sort of stopped. There's a break. He's people, his wife's like, sorry about him. He's an <laughs> idiot, blah, 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 blah. Ross then goes on still and does 15 minutes. I don't know why. And I'm just like, I've, I want to leave. I just want to yeah. leave. The other, the girls have gone. Then um, we're driving back and I was so angry, as yeah. you can imagine. And Ross is thought it was the funniest thing that had ever happened as that I could understand but at the time I didn't I wasn't finding it funny mm. and he's like it's all right you'll find it funny eventually I was like I don't think I will find this funny I think I could see it's a story but I don't think I'll ever find it funny and he's like it's funny I was like <laughs> I don't think it's funny he's like, but it is funny and I was like the worst of it is like no one will believe any of the story like, no one will believe it's a cookie monster and he went they will I said, no, they won't. No, like, it's a weird thing. Like, no one else is dressed up. He is. He went, they will. I said, well, how do you know they will? And he's just showed me his phone and he'd been taking pictures. <laughs> and so I've got all these pictures of the cookie monster fighting me. And it wasn't until about two days later, I was like, no, that is funny. And <laughs> that's an Edinburgh show. That's the crux of an Edinburgh show, basically. And that's my first Edinburgh show was that, basically, me being attacked by him was the sort of, 
it run the theme run through the show kind of thing. <laughs> so that's probably the worst ever gig because it yeah. wasn't in jest. But then, so I then con- it was the wife of the woman who booked it booked me. And I was like, for the Edinburgh show, I wanted to show a video of the Cookie Monster in bed with my wife, my girlfriend. And um, so I contacted her. I was just like, is there any chance I could borrow that suit? And she was like, oh, yeah, what for? And I said, oh, like, I just want to film something in it. She went, well, as long as you show us what it is, because, like, I know he was a dickhead or whatever, but we don't want to take the piss. I was like, no, I'm not going to take the piss. So I got the suit filmed it like the idea was i came home and as i'm going up the start in there's like bits of clothing everywhere and there's like a bra on a lampshade and as i open the bedroom door he's in bed with my wife and they're eating cookies and um i filmed it and then just never showed them the footage and just gave them the suit back and yeah but yeah it was it worked out good in the yeah fuck them it worked out well in the end it worked out well in the end but yeah that's the worst being physically assaulted is pretty bad yeah, no, that that is a bad one. That I was gonna say, <laughs> at, at what point did Ross jump in? But he was busy documenting, which I think he is did the not... Lord's work. So, but then this is the thing, right? He's, he spoke about being a security guard on this podcast. Yeah, he, still, he was like, I can see it miles off. I see a change in their eyes. I was like, what are you talking about? Where the fuck were you while I was being attacked? <laughs> oh yeah, I saw his face change, and I instantly knew I had to calm the environment. No, you didn't. didn't. Not on that occasion. <laughs> but I've seen, I've done a gig with Ross once, where it was one of those ones. You know where a gig's lost, where mm. it's just like you're in, we're in a, like a tent or something, and uh, you just go, no, this is gone. Whatever's happened, the room's gone. Mm. And this woman just was leaving. Now he basically told her to leave because she was being so loud, and she just got. I walked up to Ross and just like went to put an Aldi bag on his head. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, just like literally kind of hoop it over his head. It's so weird. Like a gangster film. <laughs> yeah, it's really odd. And he's just go. But that's what Ross was saying. He walks into a room. I'm sorry to keep harking back to an old no, episode. No. If you haven't, yeah, people should listen. Um, I'm sure they have. Um, he talks about not going into a room and not having any fear, and that's true. He walk into any old shit and just go, oh, this is fine, it's a gig. I'm not like that. I've, like, he was talking like it was a bad thing. I walk into him and go, no, fuck this. This is awful. <laughs> but I don't I'm think out. I've ever gone. Only one time have I ever gone, I'm not doing this. And that was, I got booked to do, uh, I'm going to say the word corporate, but it was for Sainsbury's. Mm. And when we got there, they were like, right, it's going to be in the cafe, the Sainsbury's cafe. <laughs> and when I went in there, like that's all it was. It wasn't like there's a gig in the Sainsbury's cafe. And when there's a microphone, you're in the Sainsbury's cafe, the staff cafe. I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, yeah, it's just there's the mic. I was like, but there's no, there's no lot. It's just I'm in the cafe. There's people coming and going. There's people. It's not. This isn't a comedy gig. And they're like, uh, yeah, but it's fine. Like people who want to watch will just sit like right there. And you. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And I didn't do it. You're just a man stood in a canteen, aren't you, at that point? That's all it is. I'm just a man in a canteen. (laughs) But yeah, I perfectly will look at a gig and go, this is shit, I don't want to do this. That Traitor's Gate gig that he's talking about, I said no to it. I Mm. said no. I was like, like, oh, do you want to come do this gig? I was like, no, it sounds horrible. No. Yeah, I could be at home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I could be not doing this. I could be sitting in the garden in the rain and it'd be better than this. To be fair, I think... The gig that we first met at was one of those. Uh, yeah, that, was, it, was it the first gig we did 
I can't think where it was, but was it um it was a bad gig? Was it in a hotel? Uh, it was type. yeah, it was like a hotel slash golf country club type so thing. So that is the first time. Um uh, and then the the headliner it overran the gig. They wanted to watch the boxing. There was mm. boxing on, and they were like the only people who were in the room was because they knew the boxing was gonna be on and they wanted to get a good seat for some boxing. And I remember saying that the owner of the club was like to the headliner, you need to keep it to 20 because the boxing's about to start. And he did about 35 minutes. <laughs> yeah. He just like, wouldn't stop. <laughs> Please. They were ordering drinks. The bar was open and you'd be talking and someone was like, yeah, okay, John, John, what, what, what are you having? What have you got on tap? They've got Foster's. Uh, Stella, uh, what's that one of it? Oh no, that's that's gorship, but that's non-alcoholic. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. Sir, I'm at work. <laughs> there is a break. Oh my in god! Five I think I might minutes. have been host. Was I hosting it? Yeah, I might have been hosting. Because then Christ. it overran so much that you took me to the train station, and all of the trains had gone. So you had to drive me back <laughs> to like. The outskirts of London. And I just remember yeah. you being like, I have to be up to take my son to school in five hours. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Can I give you money? And you're like, you've not got money to give me, Catherine. <laughs> I know. I, I, know. I know I haven't. You have to drive to the Upminster or something. Mm. It'd be something like that. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> kind of guy I am. I'm a great guy. I'm no Ross McGrain. I'm a great guy. <laughs> it's very kind of you. And I also don't uh, think Ross can drive, can he? Oh, he can now. He can oh, now, okay. but he couldn't then, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> he could just about now. I've been yeah. in the car with him. All oh, right. Terrifying. Do you not want him to? <laughs> terrifying. Terrifying. Oh, but, you know. Uh, yeah, that was shit. God, dear, it's funny. Old, it's funny how game, isn't it? It is weird. Like, no one knows how shit it really is, do mm. they? I don't, mm. I honestly don't think that. None of my mates know how shit it is. Because, yeah, you only tell them, like, with my mates, I don't tell them, I tell them the funny stories, but then I often will go, oh, I'm gigging with this person. I'm getting, oh, I'm gigging with this person. And they go, oh, wow, Ash must be doing well. I don't tell them about the ones where it's a pub. Mm. And it's like, we had once, I was doing this gig in Braintree. And uh, suddenly it got really busy. Like, just as I'm about to go on, it was like packed. I was like, oh, what's going on? I must have heard Ashes on. Like, <laughs> and uh, went on stage and it was really rowdy and busy. I was like, who are all of you? Where have you come from? They went, oh, someone was stabbed next door. So we've got to come in here. <laughs> like, oh my ah, God. Yes. You don't tell people about that kind of gig, though, do you? It's like, well, mm. how many were in there? 150 because of a stabbing next door. <laughs> <laughs> we had a wonderful time. <laughs> yeah, dreadful. Dreadful, mm. dreadful. So um, I, I feel like we should probably get to the the content. Of, of so the podcast. I no, just no. said sorry ten minutes ago, and they did it again. I'm so no, sorry. no, uh, it's it's funny, and I asked you to do it. Um, but what what's your worst job been? I've had so many <laughs> jobs that are terrible, like so many. Um. I'll give you a flavour of them. I'll tell, shall I tell them in chronological order and you can tell me if you want to talk about them or not. So oh, first yeah. job I ever had. I mean, I've, I've decided to do that anyway, Catherine. Mm. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, fine. I started as a milkman's assistant on a Saturday morning when I was 14. Yeah. Um, every Saturday morning I got up at three o'clock 
and until one o'clock in the afternoon for yeah. 12 pounds oh my god <laughs> my parents my mum would wake me up take me downstairs she'd make me a cup of tea and then I'd leave the house and go and meet a milkman about a quarter of a mile away for 12 pounds it was mad you'd have all of the uh, nightclubbers coming in all the people who'd been off you know that got lucky or whatever were strolling back um it was awful it was dark it was night time until yeah. halfway through the shift obviously um and just no money like it's not like when your dad says oh i used to earn 12 pound for it, it wasn't that long ago yeah no. it was long ago but it was 12 pound was still shit then you know what it's I mean? not even a round figure is it no i give, don't know how he came up with that give really 10 or give don't. 20 yeah 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 i did 10 hours for 12 i was on one pound 20 an hour oh my god that was illegal <laughs> i didn't even get free milk there wasn't even free milk <laughs> so That's how mad. i didn't realize that milkmen needed assistance on a Saturday, it's very busy sometimes. So it would just be like he would give me the it would be like four red top over at number 32. Right. And then I'd go over to number 32. But then he never trusted me with doing the cash either. So if there was money to be collected, I was never allowed to do that either. That was the weird thing. So it'd be like some of the time it'd be like you've got to go 10 ounces up there whilst I go and get money off this place. There was like because I was 14 or 15 there was a few things that I would then, it's a bit pervy, but there was one older lady who clearly was a saucy old saucy minx. And she, I mean, a pedo really, because I was 14, yeah. but she would always be flirty and just within a dressing gown that she allowed to flop open. Oh. But she was a saucy, but as a 14 year old, I was like, this is the greatest. I wanted to go and deliver milk there every Saturday um <laughs> but then you also had like oh there was once just a man wanking like in the you know in the old days so there was um the telephone seat by the front door where you'd sit by the landline yeah he was just sitting there through an opaque window I could just see him wanking on the other side on the phone wanking and then so I called Richard the milkman and he come over and was like let's knock <laughs> I was like no <laughs> let's not knock but he did he knocked and then the guy came out and he was angry at the milkman for something not for knocking but just like where's my red top or whatever and it's like <laughs> I don't think you get to be angry when you've just been caught wanking in the door but no there you go so that's my first job uh then I got glandular fever and I just stopped because I felt I was too ill basically yeah then I started delivering pizzas, pizza delivery boy, where I earned so much money. I worked yeah. Monday to Friday. I worked um, 12 till six and Saturday and Sunday, I worked six till 12. Mm -hmm. So I worked seven days a week and got paid a fortune. Got get to keep your tips, got delivery money, met like my first proper girlfriend. I had this weird thing where I'd pass my driving test. I'd like a little broken up Yugo car. And I remember thinking, from being a shy, pathetic little boy, basically, I was like, I've got a car, I've got an income, I can ask any girl out. And so <laughs> I did. And then that's where I met like my first proper girlfriend. She she made pizzas and I delivered them. Um, that was good. I used to pick people up as well. Like that was the, as a side thing. I would if you if I saw people walking drunk or whatever, 
I would stop and offer them lifts and they'd often give you a tip as well, like a, like a taxi driver, basically. Um, or you just see people, people at midnight, there'd be people collapsed in the street and I'd take them home. So yeah. that was a good Samaritan. Um, but then I got my big break when uh, my mum's friend asked me if I wanted to get a job at a factory. I always wanted to be a physiotherapist, right? That's what I All actually right. wanted to do. Uh, I got this job in a factory, powder coating metal. That's close so, to physio. Mm, <laughs> I went in and uh, they went, right, we spray all these things. You're not allowed to do that. You have to be fully trained by that. But your job, Ash, is going to be dipping these bits of metal into this acid to prepare it. Yeah. And I was like, right. And uh, is there gloves? He went, oh, yeah, if you want gloves, there'll be some over there. And so I got this thing. I remember dipping this stuff in with like rubber gloves and I went out for lunch at 12 or whatever and I felt so congested I like spat onto my hand because I was like this is what I feel and it was black where they've been spraying the black paint and there was no extractor fan or anything and so I just left I walked out I was like I'm never going back yeah and I'd never felt so alive as that like literally going I'm not working in these conditions. And I went back to the pizza place like after, after going, I'm out of the pizza industry forever. <laughs> I'm out there now of powder coater. That's what I am. But I didn't last. Yeah, that's wild, then, isn't it, that they do that? There was that, no health and safety at all. Yeah, like I've worked in workshops where people, they're just like cutting through MDF. No... No, that's asbestos and stuff. They reckon, don't they? Mm, yeah, yeah. It's like it's illegal in uh, in um, America. America. Yeah, you're allowed a gun in America. You're and not allowed like MDF. MDF. That's how dangerous it is. Yeah, and they're just blasting through it. Yeah, or like all like tents and shit. Because I feel yeah. like it's. I don't know. Is it? I assume it's the whole masculinity thing. I'm too manly. For breathing poison to affect me it's crazy isn't it it's yeah. really bad i will not wear ppe like fuck my eyes i don't <laughs> need them i'll get this acid on them because i'm a bloody bloke yeah well if you want gloves <laughs> it's yeah, acid it's an acid bath <laughs> yeah and you look at all the old men who are like missing part of their fingers and their skin is just this sort of pox ridden kind of red mass yeah it's like I think I'm better than this. Yeah, and you're like, how Isn't old are weird? you? They're like 49. <laughs> it, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> Just a crippled up old guy who's like, oh, the acid will get you in the end, but it doesn't matter because I've got throat cancer from all the spray anyway. <laughs> yeah, really weird. Really strange. Like, I've got an uncle who worked in the oil refinery near where we live, and everyone that worked there got cancer and either died or like every single one of them because there was no they just worked he, he said he had cancer and they said um he said he just used to work in they'd empty out the oil he'd work in the drums like inside them walk in and they'd have to fix stuff and it's like they just did it they just went in there and did it and of course they all got cancer because yeah. that gives you cancer but they just didn't know mad isn't it yeah and I think you can kind of, well, you can't forgive it, but you kind of can when it's like, well, they just simply did not know, you know, yeah. when people are like working in an asbestos factory or something, and you're like, well, but you then know. But that's the tragedy of it is, in both industries, in asbestos and in the oil industry, they did know. 
it could, yeah. the people in charge knew like people knew asbestos was poisonous and didn't give a fuck and just let it go the cancer from oil they knew about that for years they knew about yeah. it and just kept kept going just like that's, oh well that's the thing isn't it when like if you as soon as you do know and you don't do anything then it's a, a fucking problem yeah, it's a, I was listening to an audio book about General Motors because I'm, yeah, really, you know, cool, a cool guy. <laughs> and they, um, they, in America, there's loads of people, loads of their staff were getting cancer and they did nothing about it and they knew it was the oil that they were using for, you know, years and years and years. Just didn't do anything, didn't care. Capitalism, baby. Oh, yeah. Um, so then yeah. I got my first office job. Oh, I went up to London and I handed a CV at a recruitment consultant near Fenchurch Street and I went home because yeah. that's what you did. When I got home, there was an answer phone message and it said, we'd like you to come for an interview. Because like, that's how you got jobs back in the day. Went up to London at NatWest Stockbrokers and just got this job straight away just on a helpline for the stockbrokers where people would phone in to then go through to their dealer basically they their um uh, stock dealer not drug dealer <laughs> yeah and um it was piss easy because i had some personality like people it was pleasant you know what i mean i'd be mm -hmm. they weren't no one was phoning to complain people were just phoning to make money and you could have a chat with them. But then my man, the management hated it. They hated it because they'd listen into your calls and stuff like that. And it'd be like, don't, you mustn't talk to these people because they'd be rich brokers that were doing deals, basically. That you mustn't talk to them like that. You mustn't engage them like that. And I'd be, I couldn't help it. So there was one guy who'd phone in who mentioned something to do with football. And then I spoke to him about football. And then he had sent, I'd sent him some paperwork. And then when he sent it back in, he wrote a message to me about Arsenal, about football. And uh, my manager pulled me into this office and was like, you can't communicate with these people. You mustn't do it. And um, yeah, it was just const that constantly. That was my entire time there was them telling me I needed to be more um, concentrating on work and not trying to talk, basically. Um, and again, I hated it. And then I, did, I saved up enough money to take the summer off to watch the 1998 World Cup. So I just thought, I'm leaving. And they were like, yeah, you should. That's, that's the right, you've, made the, you've made the right decision. But then I was like, I'm never going back to the city again. I hate office work. P took my CV in some recruitment consultants and two job offers, two job interviews. One I went to, and they were like, it was like a tech company when that was really massive, brightly colored office. They were like, basically Fridays is a no we don't really work Fridays we finish at two but then we'll go out and uh, we're always taken away on all these like god I hate golf but it's like we go to these golf resorts or we go to this spa and blah 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 and they offered like whatever and I, and the other job interview I went to was a big American bank that was stuffy and rubbish and they offered I was like I'm not going for the money and then they offered the money and I went I'm just gonna go for the money and I went I was there for about five years in this big American bank where almost every night I went home and cried oh, because God. I hated it so much. Like just, I was still at home with my parents. So I don't know why I didn't quit. My dad was just like, quit, just quit. Stop it. You don't need to do this. And I didn't, but I was earning, you know, more than my mates. I was earning so much money, no outgoings whatsoever. 
and I just hated it though. It was so horrible. I was like bullied. I was. It was just horrific, horrific times. You had to put your hand up to go to the toilet. What? And that was yeah, yeah. It was a, it was basically data entry, but everyone thought because again it was stocks and shares. People in there thought it was much more important than it was. Right. Do you know what I mean? All the management were like, you're in the so-and-so department. Now, this is the asset department. You make a tiny mistake in here. It costs millions down the line. It's like, yeah, but it's data entry, isn't it? It's not data entry. This is people's deals. But yeah, it is taking the information off this page and inputting it into this computer, though, isn't it? It's not that. How dare you? It is that. It is that. But I worked so long, so many hours, because you couldn't stop unless the work was done. Like, you had to do it. So it'd be like that point in my life where I was wanting to go out with my mates. They'd be like, oh, you're coming out Friday. I'd be like, don't know. Literally, I don't know. If it's a busy day, I don't know. And I did that for about, oh, because then um, I got a mortgage. Like, I literally walked down to an estate agent's. My my nan had died. So my granddad had moved in with us. I'd given him my room. And while they were building like a little annex for him, I went down to the estate agents one Saturday morning and went, I want to buy a flat. And they went, okay. And I got a mortgage like that. Yeah. And because that's what they did then. They were like, yeah, how old are you? 90? Yeah, no problem. Got this <laughs> flat, two bedroom flat. And uh, so then I couldn't leave. I couldn't quit. Yeah. And that's another job where I was being definitely bullied horrifically by this lady. Like she'd been bullying someone else and then gone on maternity leave. And this other guy was like, when she, I'm leaving when she comes back because she bullied me. It was horrific. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then she came back and she chose me. Yeah. I remember her um, pointing out some work that I'd done wrong. And she'd been like, you've done it. How do you not know how to do this? And I went, ah, I didn't do this. I've got everyone else to do it. And now, so just to prove you're picking on me. So everyone else did this. It wasn't me. And she was so fucking angry. She took yeah. me to one side, into a room. And then I went, I quit. And then I took my, I got signed off work for about a month. Which again was brilliant. Like just that thing of going, walking out. I never felt so tall in all my life. Yeah. Just strolled out of this office, quitting. Have you ever quit? Have not, you done that? Not Aggressively that dramatically, quit? no. I bet it, it was, feels so good. For about an hour, and then you go, oh, the mortgage. <laughs> oh, no. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so there was a South... I worked with a South African lady, mm. and one day it was really snowing. We're in Canary Wharf. It was really snowing. And uh, she went over to the window, and the manager, that woman, was like, sit down. Like, there's no time for you to be standing up. It's like you've never seen snow before. And this woman, Emma, just went, I never have. <laughs> she was... <laughs> she's from South Africa she's like I've never seen snow <laughs> and then it's just like this is fucked this is mad that we're doing like she has never seen snow and she's been told to not look at it essentially uh, oh. so then I just went through these office jobs like I basically tempt mm. like at different banks doing such boring stuff and then someone contacted me and said how would you feel about working with the long-term unemployed of Romford which was the dream yeah yeah so I went to Romford and I worked with the unemployable so the people who had been unemployed for so long that um the job center basically go we're done with you you need to go to a third party company we can't help you anymore right and it was my job to get them work so we had 
one guy who I sent for a job interview, it'd just be like I'd send him to a retail job. And he wrote the word shit on the wall on his, he had an interview and then was like, can I use the bathroom? And he wrote the word shit on the wall of the toilet in shit. Oh, oh, right. Okay. Using a sock. (laughs) Yeah. Another guy, there's a lot of shit stories here. Another guy, same thing, went for the job interview. The guy phoned me up and went, who is this? See you next Tuesday, you've sent me. (laughs) He asked to use the toilet and he shit on the toilet lid. (laughs) <laughs> they were murderers there was this one guy that was a murderer it just come out 17 years he'd been inside um and i had to get him a job he was the most well-behaved man you've ever met in your life he'd been completely institutionalized right. but he terrified me yeah. and there's me going so what is it that you want to do oh i'd like to work with children i don't think you can work with children i don't think that's <laughs> going to work um and um there was one guy and they were all on drugs so many one girl gave birth down the toilet you know like you heard on here on like on jeremy kyle yeah you don't believe it to be true she did she didn't know she was pregnant she thought she was just getting fatter right terrible terrible pain gave birth into the toilet yeah um one guy who said he couldn't read or write couldn't get a job because he couldn't read or write so we like got him training you know like we'll get someone in because that's what we could do. We could have loads of budget. So it's like, I can't get to the job interview. And they'd buy them like a moped and stuff yeah. like that. It was like anything to get them working. And um, he couldn't read all right. So we'd have a teacher come in a couple of times a week to sit with him and help do it. And one day I was like, give, give, give him a review. And he opened up his bag and I saw the Da Vinci code in his bag. And I went, oh, what's that like? He went, yeah, it's a good. It's good. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I was like, I thought you couldn't read. <laughs> and he went, ah, oh, it comes and goes. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay um but yeah they they were all on drugs and that's what i did i did that for about three or four years working with those guys and it was just it was insane they'd be like people would play the system there would be people um from abroad this sounds a bit brexit i don't mean that but there'd be people from abroad who would play the system so that they could come over here and claim benefits that they weren't allowed to claim in so it was a bright it is a it was a broken system mm-hmm. but yeah they were manipulating the the loop it was the system that needed fixing not the people i think is mm. the issue uh but it was just but i was lucky so then i i it changed slightly so i got like the like people who had issues so it'd be learning difficulties or people couldn't read or write or they'd been in prison so people who just not just people who couldn't get a job because they didn't want to it'd be people who found it difficult to get a job but i basically my target would be like four a month and i'd get four people come through in a month that wanted to work so it was really easy because yeah. i'd just go there'd be like an old lady who'd never worked and she was 70 and she'd be like i just want to work in a charity shop like or a, sh- a little clothes shop and then I, it, that was easy because yeah. she'd do it for minimum wage and yeah so i could tick boxes so yeah one like week i just remember when the ipod had just come out i for an entire week i took in a bag of cds every day and just used the computer to put cds on my ipod that was <laughs> the kind of job it was lovely that sounds great but just to go back onto the uh, shit on the wall, mm. did you find out what the um, 
the thought process was behind that? I think he might have been a brilliant artist. <laughs> uh, I think he knew that that would stop him getting a job. You know, like in train spotting where the guy takes speed or whatever yeah. it is he takes. I think that's basically it. They all knew exactly what they had to do to be unemployable. Yeah. Like, like stinking of weed, turning up to a job interview, stinking of weed, or just wetting themselves or shitting themselves, or um, it was so, it was just horrible. Like, I wanted to go, I would have worked in a full hazmat suit if I'd have been allowed, but I didn't want those people, like those people, Jesus, I didn't want them anywhere near me. I didn't want to touch anything they'd touch. They were so, it was just grubby place. And that's why you saw the people who came in and looked around and went, actually, I'll get a job. That's yeah. like, basically, that's how I ticked enough boxes was, right. it was li literally a case of, there was enough people who went, not, this is not for me. Do you know <laughs> yeah, I mean? I'm out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. even the murderer was like, I'll do, I'll go, I'll go and get work. <laughs> um, so I did that for a while. Then I, my then brother-in-law, he was a floor tiler. He got the job to tile the uh, St Pancras Eurostar terminal, like do all the platforms. Oh, and he's cool. like, do you want to come and do that? It's like, yeah. And that was the most money I'd ever been paid for anything. Like yeah. that was just because it was builders get paid loads, it turns out, and they have brilliant accountants. So we all have a go at people for dodging tax. I do have to hold my hands up and say, whilst I was a builder, I had the, this accountant who'd be like, do you wear trousers to work? I'd be like, yeah. And they'd go, right, we're going to claim back all the tax for any trousers you bought this year. Do you use no. a phone? for work no have you ever phoned a work colleague yes right it's a work phone <laughs> it's like that basically and yeah we tiled those platforms for three years like so if ever you go to st pancras eurostar terminal i'm saying i did that yeah i am going there actually uh, are you yeah me and my sister are going to gay paris oh uh, nice i like the way you called it gay paris not gay paris yeah That's lovely. <laughs> uh so I'll, I'll i'll let her know you have to have a look at all of the because it was this mad job where like they wanted it to be perfect so everything had to be within two millimeters of accuracy so that they would come and inspect it to within yeah. two millimeters that's mad isn't it um and they would do this test where they rode a, rolled a coin along the floor mm. to check that it didn't bubble right i mean that's an archaic way of checking but that's what they did backwards. Um, but then there was like in there there's these incredible things where there was a spiral staircase hidden inside a stone column that's so old that building so yeah. they just were like knocking something through and they found this opening and it was a spiral staircase that just went up this column it was yes. just like amazing it's just an amazing place to work and one of the platforms was i don't know if it still is but it was just for royalty so when the Royal train came in, that was that platform 13 or whatever. Yeah. It was just for that. And I wrote Arsenal underneath it on one of the <laughs> stones. So I'm an idiot. Um, yeah, I loved that job. It was really hard, but I'd be home. I watched Deal or No Deal every day. I was home by four o'clock every day. It's quite an early start, but not, not Milkman early. Yeah. But that's probably the fittest I've ever been. Probably the most money I'd ever earned. And I worked not very long hours. Perfect. 
Um, That's the dream. Then, uh, then my son was born, oh, and no. I realised I needed. <laughs> oh no, I've got to get some sort of contracted work, basically. Mm. Um, so I went and got a job as a maintenance engineer for a for a big company that fixed things in banks, basically. And that's what I did for 10 years, basically fixing things in banks. Um, anything that broke, anything at all, be it doors, taps, plumbing, electrical, whatever. That was Financial it. crisis, don't worry. We'll get out. No, sod that, it was fine. You can, you can fix it. <laughs> You fix the Definitely toilet. Can fix it. He, he can fix this reception. Yeah, and bearing in mind, I'd been yeah probably overclaiming tax stuff, tax avoiding for about five years. <laughs> I was part of it as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was good because we had no. Oh, that's when I started doing stand up as well. About two thousand and seven. I was going to no, ask at what point like, did it come? In, did stand up come into this? about 2008 2009 probably my son was born in 2007 and um i had no like tracker or anything on my van so i could just like if there was a gig in man you know when you're first starting and someone goes do you want to come to manchester for no money and do a gig and you go yeah <laughs> i'd love nothing more so that's what I did. I just drove my work. I'd like just leave at two and go to Manchester and everyone was doing it. Even my supervisor was doing it. Like one day I phoned him. I was like, oh, I need help with this job. He went, yeah, tomorrow. I went, oh, I'm in a bit of trouble. Like, is there any chance to come today? He went, not really. I'm on the road to Manchester. I was like, what do you mean you're on the road to Manchester? He went, Chelsea playing Manchester. I'm going to Manchester. <laughs> and he's just going to watch his team, but he didn't want to say. So he then once said to me, we're in this meeting after that. And he just said, Look, what I don't know doesn't hurt me. I don't care what you do as long as the job's there. I couldn't care less because it wasn't his company. And so it's like, this is open season. I'd just go to Manchester. I'd go, I'd be gigging all over the place because it was just like, I'd use their van, their fuel. It was amazing. And yeah. then we had suppliers in London who, because um, we only use this one place, the guy would go, because you're using us, I will give you presents. Again, I think it's illegal, really, mm. because it'd be like, I'd spend thousands of pounds every month in there. And he'd just go, here's an iPad. And wow. then I'd, go, I'd get an iPad. And then, like, my dad had a knee replacement, and I've been telling the guy in the shop. And uh, it was like, oh, your dad's operation tomorrow, isn't it? It's like, yeah, he just gave him an iPad. <laughs> There's a lot of iPads. And just like... Uh, computer consoles playstations and stuff i was like getting them and selling them because the guy would be like you've made me thousands of pounds do you want a playstation three i'd yeah. be like yeah yeah i do of course God, I do. what why do we do stand-up there's no benefit from stand-up is there when you look back i was nicking constantly mm. now what what's the best thing you've got from stand-up god a cooked meal <laughs> Um, that's when you get a gig and they go we've got this restaurant attached to the place and you go this has been worth it yeah do you yeah. know the gigs that have the best food i'm vegan so it's difficult oh. but is there like do you know do you have gigs where you go oh, i like this one because they do food um to be fair they've not been regular enough but i do remember no. going um to one 
and being and they're like you get a free meal and like oh fucking great so I'd like downloaded the menu onto my phone and you're like yeah I'm going you know you spend the day choosing and you're like oh I'm so ready for this meal and then I got there and they're like no you can pick up the staff menu oh which... <laughs> what so I had a fish finger sandwich oh no could have made that home <laughs> Um, that's not the same but so i um yeah there's a few like up the creek do vegan stuff like that nice. is and they do they charge you staff rate they still charge you but really? they charge you staff rate uh comedia um they did loads of good vegan stuff and um they didn't charge you but that's the thing. It'd be like, my wife would be like, do you want dinner before you go? Are you going to eat before you go? I'd go, no. She's like, you're going to be hungry. I'd be like, yeah, no. But inside, I knew I was eating this delicious stuff. Yeah. What a weird secret to keep for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, no, I am going to have dinner, but it's going to be at the gig. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so what, yeah. what got you into stand-up? How did that uh, begin? A, com- a comedian called Richard Sandling, who some people may be aware of he um he does a lot of stuff about films and he'd been going a few years i went to school with him mm-hmm. and then one day after not having spoken to him probably for five years much he just sent me a message and said um i've booked you a five minute spot at a pear-shaped comedy like you've got a month you need to write some material and i was like what <laughs> and i was so excited so, uh, I was friends with him and we'd sort of smoke and bits and bobs and we'd bump into each other, but I'd not, he wasn't like a close friend anymore. You know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. Mm. So then I was just like, okay. And I wrote five minutes of stand up and I went and did it. And it was awful. Stuff <laughs> like, you know, I've, I've taken, I put it on YouTube. I've definitely taken it off YouTube because it's the kind of stuff, you know, you've seen men doing stand up when yeah. they're new. It's basically that, but not quite as rapey. That, you know what I mean it was that kind of stuff um and I should explain that lots of people when they knew do a bit their stuff's a bit rapey isn't it do you find yeah, that have you, did you see that they try to be Frankie Boyle not understanding yeah. that Frankie Boyle can be Frankie Boyle because he's been Frankie Boyle for so long that people are aware yeah. that he doesn't mean it Whereas you are just some guy in a tracksuit who's never done comedy before threatening to rape me. And that isn't funny. <laughs> That's just a rape threat. You've made me laugh saying it, though. <laughs> that reflects badly on me. And then you like, and the, I, the amount of men as well that I tell explicitly, do not do this. And they go, <laughs> and then ignore me and do it and die on I their own. I think arms. they're good. Why yeah. are people telling them? Well, sometimes I take pity on them. Sometimes I'm like, what are you going to be joking about? And they're like, I'm quite edgy. And I'm like, <laughs> tell me when you're going to be performing this because I want to watch you die. <laughs> it's so weird, though. Why is it? Why do they think I'm quite edgy? No, you're not. You're just not good enough. Oh, my God. I saw this guy and he it was like a, a an afternoon gig. Really lovely afternoon gig. The guy who runs it is such a nice man. He bakes vegan cakes. We all get together. It's it's well lit because it's the middle of the day, but that's fine because it's just a really <laughs> lovely atmosphere. 
this guy gets up and there's jokes about raping schoolgirls and he's Fucking holding hell. his notes and his hands are shaking and he just goes he's nervous or because he's so angry with women <laughs> i don't know nerves i think because he just left and i'm like good finally one of them has the self-awareness to know <laughs> it's not working maybe he'll spread the word mm. but they oh never do god no no i mean that's awful i was at a really famous gig and when did you start uh i've been doing this about six years so what's that like oh. yeah uh I don't six know. years ago yeah doesn't yeah i don't, don't know matter, does it? let's I not can't. let's not we're not mathematicians we're comedians fuck them yeah, okay, do um um there's a, there was a famous gig that was probably before your before your time mm. where the guy had done that stuff he'd been talking about rape and it was really graphic oh and it wasn't funny as you can imagine and people wanted to kill him and he had right. to be it was at a shooting club like a clay pigeon shooting club <laughs> and they were coming for him aren't they literally up and coming towards the stage and he had to be taken out of the fire escape as you were saying <laughs> and um it became really famous this gig was like people would talk about it and they'd people would go oh have you heard about the so-and-so gig i was like i was there i had to go on after it my parents were in the audience they'd come to see me and um that was quite a good thing that felt like a thing to have been a part of you know it was like i was at that gig and people would be talking about it for months this one guy i never heard of him again but he, <laughs> he had this kind of reputation it was when twitter was new and he'd already had this sort of vague rep like this weird fame thing it was maybe easier to be a bit more viral on twitter back then and so it would be like i already had heard of him even though he was an open mic minute but i remember his friend who i think might still be going um, and she was like, she would talk about him like he was a god of comedy. Like, oh my God, he's trying this thing. Because I heard about Russell Brand when he started and he'd like throw mice into the audience or release cricket. And I'm like, what are you, like you're a prick. Like, what are you doing? Like, oh. And he'd become mega famous. And he was a heroin addict at the time, to be fair to him. Um, but I think if that happened, if someone released mice into the audience, if I was at a gig and someone let mice out, I'd expect that person never to work again. Mm. Or if they released crickets into the audience. Like yeah. those days are gone of the real super alternative comedy. But this guy basically was like, I'm going to be like that. That was what he'd obviously thought. I'm going to be like that. I'm going to just graphically talk about sexual assault and expect because I'm great at comedy and he wasn't but people there were some people who still spoke about him like he was this brilliant edgy comedian that's why I love the idea that he was taken out of the fire escape and shot <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do so. wonder what happened to that guy <laughs> yeah I mean I could still google there. him now I wonder if he I wonder what happened to him genuinely I bet he's still going almost but certainly so, yeah I um, it's funny because I got really lucky when I first started like about six months in I came up with like a four minute bit that was good like it was a bit about a bit about a thing and it went really well it's about the Mr Men and it went really really well and every gig I did I would get booked for other gigs because you know when you first start there's loads of people who 
book gigs are in the like the loads of acts book gigs so you do a gig and there'll be 10 bookers in the audience essentially so i do a gig and pick up three more gigs so i got re that was just pure fluke like i had a good bit and it'd be like oh you're gonna do the mr man bit and i'd be like yeah i'm gonna do this man bit. and i'd do the mr man bit and people would love it and then i'd go and then it went on and on and then about just before the pandemic or in the middle of the pandemic i saw one of the guys from london from this gig in dalston that used to book me it, it was at a gig in south end it was at rossi's gig at the alex and he's like how you doing yeah how's it all going blah 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 he went i'm gonna be honest with you um we booked you because of the mr man bit like they used to book me regularly when we just we loved it yeah. we loved we knew it'd go well and he said i remember the day that you turned up and we said you're going to do the mr man bit and you went no i've got something else and he said i remember we looked at each other and went fuck <laughs> <laughs> And it obviously it's still gone quite well or whatever. Um, but then, so I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, I wonder who else thought like that? Like, mm -hmm. oh, he's not going to do his bit. And so I spoke to Jason Stamp, you know, Jude Giggs, yeah, Jason. Yeah, big big deal. Deal. yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I said to him, I went, oh, do you remember that gig? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, and I said, oh, the guy who run it, he said um, when I first told him I wasn't doing Mr. Men, that he was, panics and jason went yeah we all did mate <laughs> i can hear <laughs> him like, saying that as well <laughs> and it's like god i didn't realize i genuinely didn't realize that i'd been pigeonholed as because i had this five minute bit that people were like yeah we'll get him on but he better be doing that bit you were the mr so was, man i literally was at that point it turns out i didn't quite realize i thought i was doing all right with my other stuff you know i'd be doing 20 like tens and twenties of 15s you don't ever get 15s anymore do you i They're do still... so but is it 15s yeah um because it tends to just be isn't it mo it's mostly people go tens or twenties though isn't yeah it? yeah basically yeah and uh or sevens what no one's the, doing sevens what is the fucking point of a seven it makes me so angry when someone's like you can come and do seven give me five or give me ten <laughs> yeah who are um, you although in America, don't they have threes? Mm -hmm. You have three, three minutes. Can you imagine? Because as well, like, I always think you can tell the difference between American comedians and British comedians, because British comedians will come out and have a joke about the room and then speak to someone on the front row and then begin. Whereas American comedians come out and it's just like, joke, 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 bye! Because they have yeah, to, yeah, yeah. they started doing a fucking three spot. Three. But then, I, I mean... After all we've just said, wouldn't threes be great for those rapey people? Oh, my God, yeah. There'd be no preamble. They'd just have to start talking about rape and then finish talking about rape. And then you'd go, well, that what, what happened there? <laughs> just an angry man just come on and talk about raping people and then left. Thank you. Good and night. <laughs> but I remember, like, you know, trying to fill a five. Can you remember that? Just going, how the fuck? I don't I've got one minute 30. How am I getting for five? And yeah. now sometimes you just go, oh my god like how am i gonna how am i gonna keep it like i trying to not overrun you know what yeah. i mean how can that be yeah it's weird because it uh five minutes does not sound like a long time but when you are new it is the longest time for you and the people watching you yeah yeah that's true but you do lots of long form shows don't you you do like you do fringe shows and things don't you 
Yeah, never so, Edinburgh, but every all the other ones. No, never do, never do Edinburgh. Awful idea. Um, I like I I don't like anything more than forty five. Forty five minutes is probably too long. But I've done I've done two like out not not hour. I should say they were forty five minute shows, but. I'll be doing them and just inside my own head going, oh, shut up, mate. (laughs) What are you talking? No one wants to hear any of this. Going back to what we said about about not being able to sell yourself. Just in your head, just going, shut up. This is boring. (laughs) Have you ever had that? Oh, my God. So often. (laughs) And not just at your shows. Oh, um... (laughs) no, no, you've got your very Shut up, (laughs) yeah it's it's hard isn't it when you like i don't know i don't know why this is funny or what i'm doing why am i here what am i doing Um, i'm just looking at an audience who didn't come to see you but they just came to see something mm. i love mucking around stuff like my friends again you've probably done their their gig in colchester i don't think it's on at the moment but um tom barrett rob saunders liam sullivan they did um they called their show the Hyper Bowl, and uh, it was them just mucking around. Like they would have a bit where they would get a picture of Robert Mugabe, and you had to try and throw slices of bread into his mouth, like it was like a big piece. And it would be like just mad stuff, like trying to draw a picture with a two meter long pen and things. And I love watching stuff like that, and I love taking, I like being a part of that, and like silly podcasts. I, I know some sort of YouTubers and just that thing where you can oh, i'm not doing a set i'm just going to muck around but once a month me and ashens who's a youtuber we go through an argos catalog from the 80s and we're actually on a sears catalog at the moment and we've been doing it for a year the same catalog and we do like 10 pages over three hours <laughs> and a thousand people a month watch that wow. show on twitch and i love it we're doing it live at comic-con in a couple of weeks we're doing it on oh, stage yeah. and there's there's genuinely talk of us going on tour all but ashen's got a massive following but us going on tour touring us going through an argos catalog from the 80s right i'm never happier than doing stuff like that but i love stand-up i love it i love it i love it i love it but i never have as much fun as whether i'm dicking around doing something like that yeah genuinely that sounds amazing that show i i want to come along is it london comic-con yeah, it is. Yeah, it's on the Saturday we're doing it. That's amazing. On the main stage at Comic Con. Yeah. <laughs> oh my it's God. It's so weird. All right, so if we've got tickets, I love an excuse to get dressed up. Yeah, do it. Definitely. Yeah. But it's just like, all right, we started doing it. And like, yeah, like the minimum, like it would have like over a thousand people sometimes. And sometimes it'd be like 600 people. And I'll say to my, my dad will say to me, like, oh, what are you doing? tonight and i said i'm doing the thing with ashton's what thing oh we're going through an old argos catalog and he's just like what are you talking about yeah a thousand people will watch us going through an argos catalog dad it's bizarre but i love it i really love it that's i love acts who've got that as well i don't like acts who have got i know people go oh you never know what he's gonna do he's crazy i don't like that that scares me but i do like acts who've got a bit of randomness a bit of um I don't know that where it's real heart. I find it really difficult to explain what I mean. Where it's like that it's coming from their heart. It might not be. There'll be people in the audience going, "What the fuck is this?" That's what yeah. I mean. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? There'll be people going, "I don't get it." 
and there'll be people who think it's the funniest thing ever. That's I love that in comedy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wish I could be that. No, I don't wish. I like. I don't think I. I, I've seen. I did this gig in uh, Upminster, the roughest pub in Upminster, where <laughs> I said, "Oh, well, who's the MC?" And the guy who books it, who still books gigs, he went, "Oh, we're not going to have an MC this week because last week we had a woman and she was terrible, so we decided to have, not have an MC anymore." Yeah, solid but, choice. Yeah, fair, absolutely what, fair logic. <laughs> what happened? Do you think that she was bad, or do you think it's this pub? Um, and so. And then everyone died. Jamali Maddox was on and they were being racist to him while he was on stage. No, he's now live at the Apollo TV comedian. They were booing him. They would tell him to go back where he came from. I'm still in the pub at this point, by the way. Like, I'm yeah. still in there after everyone's died horribly because he went, no, I'm not not leaving. I was paid £30 for this gig. It wasn't like I was getting loads of money. Jamali was probably getting the same. With, yeah. yeah, but started about the same time. And he's just like, no, I'm not leaving. And they're like, get up. You want to be careful. You're going to get hurt. And he's like looking at his watch. He's like, I'm being paid to do 20. So I'll be here to, for 20. And he did it. And it was incredible. It's one of the most incredible things. But the anger in the room, like they, the landlady come up to the social like, for your own safety, you need to leave. And he's like, nope, not doing it. Oh Ended God. up sitting on the stage. And he did then leave. Um, I stayed. I don't know why I'm in this pub, staying in this pub um and probably because i wanted my 30 quid yeah uh, and then a, an act went on and although these people didn't deserve it i need to point that out he won them over by being mad and crazy went into the audience started chatting to them and i remember watching him just going how the fuck have you done this like they were eating out the palm of his hand laughing they loved him they yeah. loved him and this was a hostile environment, a racist, horrible football scum room. And this guy went on, went into the audience, took the piss out of this guy, took the piss out of this guy. And I was like, I can never do that. Mm. I could never, ever do it. And that's weird. Like, I don't want to win that room over, but I'd love to have the in my arsenal to be able to go, well, this gig's fucked or this gig isn't me. This I can I can I can do any room. Yeah. Um, I did, uh, I got, I went, to, I did this showcase in London for uh, cruise ships and holiday resorts. Have you ever done one of those? No, no, <laughs> I don't think it would be me. <laughs> well, it turns out not me either. No. So I went along, me and Julian Dean and Scott Capuro, uh, we went along and um, they went, all right, no swearing. We had to do five minute bits, right? Five minutes to this the audience of bookers so it was like they run holiday resorts cruises blah 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 and just to give it an idea for the listener to do a good cruise if you go and do a cruise in australia new zealand you get five and a half grand for a week right so it's huge money awful mm. gig but you're on a cruise for a week and you get five and a half thousand pounds so good money so we go to this thing. You cannot swear. You cannot do anything. Scott Capuro basically just goes, fuck this. Yeah. And he just, his, his opening joke is like a, a joke. He said something like, uh, say what you like about pedos, but they drive slowly past schools. That's his opening <laughs> joke. And the audience love him. They're laughing. Yeah. They're never going to book him, but they love him. Me and Julian go and do a clean set, totally clean. And it's just, it is like horrific. 
Um, and then I got some bookings from it. I got uh, Warner's Hotels. Warner's Hotels is Butlins for old age pensioners. Yeah. Right. So first one, I go down there and I walk in. And I'm like, oh, I'm not what you want. I'm not <laughs> like you. When I went online, all of the comedians that they had were shiny, spangly coat wearing um, entertainers. They did yeah. juggling. They did glove puppets. They did all that stuff. Mother-in-law jokes. I said, oh, no, I'm not. I'm, I've basically got a clean because it was 45 minutes as well. Oh, my God. I've basically got a clean Edinburgh show is what I've got. And they were like, no, 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 we want, we need to inject youth into the Warner's hotel. We want younger people to come. So we're going to get comedians on proper comedians, not entertainers, because we want the audience to change and be young. I was like, but you haven't told them. No, like, I'm going out into this room of 150 people, 200 people. They're old age pensioners. Like they haven't been told that, that you don't want them here. Mm. So I did this 45 minutes of silence. I had six booked in. 45 oh minutes God. of silence. The the blue coat goes on afterwards. Went, do you enjoy that? And I just said this one old lady go, no. <laughs> At least they were honest. Yeah. And I'm like, I phoned my wife. I was like, I can't do it. And again, it paid well. They paid nicely. And I was like, I can't do them. I can't do the next ones. I cannot do it. And she's like, right, okay, well, maybe like try the next one. And then if you don't want to do, you know, like your mum, when she's like, let's just give it one more try. Our son does need shoes. Yeah. So I was like, okay, do the next one. Next one is even worse. Like on stage, I can feel my heart pounding in my chest because I'm just talking to silence. Yeah. Every joke, every bit is me just telling an anecdote, basically. You know what I mean? They're just like, and they say, because we're not allowed, he said, right, you're not allowed to mention their age, not allowed to talk about sex, not allowed to swear. And there was an old lady in the front row who looked like she had died. Okay. Like she was so old. She would look like a corpse. Yeah. Um, couldn't reference any of it. So that I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do any more. I'm going to tell them I'm not going to do more. But the next one I had was the following day. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I, um, I've got to do that. I can't not do that with a day's notice, but then I won't do any more. So I went up to Birmingham for this third one and it was brilliant. Really? <laughs> there was like 500 people much younger audience it was a gig it was a real it was like doing a theater show basically (laughs) i put my phone down because i just started a timer for 45 because the whole thing was it was like i just need to get 45 minutes i've just got to get to 40 minutes really so i put my phone down i looked at my phone for the first time on that one 20 minutes in i hadn't done any material it'd just been audience stuff and they were brilliant like i said uh there's this woman like this like rubbing her arms i was like are you cold and she went yes yeah, bloody freezer i went oh they have to keep it cold in here in case they lose some of the older ones and they start to decompose <laughs> and then everyone's laughing it was like i was like oh i can do it and then i got a phone call on the way back and they went mm, that wasn't acceptable we don't want you to do the rest of the shows yes <laughs> so they all got pulled i've never been so pleased to have lost like two grand of money or whatever it was you know what I mean it was like I don't care I don't care the, the weight off my shoulders of not having to do a horrible horrible gigs oh god yeah, Jesus. um Jess Foster Q has a show on next up I don't know if you've seen it it's I've called, not seen it but yeah 
the silence of the nans and that's about <laughs> doing two of those gigs on a cruise oh, ship. Oh, really? Yeah, it really? is so funny. I cannot recommend it. Enough. It would have been exact. It's probably the same company. Mm. That's the thing. It probably is. I heard about someone who went on a cruise ship gig and um, after like 10, 20 minutes went, look, I don't know what I can do for you. I don't know what you want. And someone shouted from the audience, tell us one that we know. Oh, God. Like, <laughs> that is what they wanted. Yeah. Yeah, Single on. That we know. Single on comedy. Yeah. But then my, like I mentioned, Tapeface earlier, he's a mate of mine. And he, I've been all over the world with him, like, yeah. because I did some support for him and I did sound stuff for him, uh, which is more scary than in any gig is doing the sound cues for Tapeface. But he can go to any room anywhere in the world, even if they don't speak English, and smash this gig. And I'll just say, like, you don't know you're alive. You don't know you exist. He's brilliant. I think he's one of the best there ever has been as, as a comedian. I love him. But it's like you could go into an old age pensioner's home and smash it. You could go into a Japanese businessman's meeting and smash it. You go billionaires' houses. We could, we've been to Portugal and Norway. He doesn't know. He doesn't know how a gig, when you talk about your son putting on pyjamas and the audience are like, what is this shit? <laughs> yeah, it's um, I guess that's the, the blessing of physical comedy, isn't it? You don't need words and it's a uh, it transcends all sort of it, it's just all human experience, isn't it? What's yours? What's your worst one? My worst, worst gig. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't mean like, yeah, being threatened or like, but you know that death. What's your worst death? Hands down, Blackburn. Uh, wonderful gig. Everyone was doing so well. I actually said the words before I went on. Um, it would definitely be on me if I die. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was that well going that well for everyone, and. Uh, I'm sure I must have told this story on here before, but they were like, um, they they did not like or respect me. They wanted a man, with a confident man to go out and be like, yeah. And I came out like, oh yeah, <laughs> you're right. And they're like, oh, we don't have to respect this woman at all. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I said before I go and I will go and half the room cheered. Uh, <laughs> and I said don't do that that hurts my feelings and everyone was silent like yeah yeah we know it was the closest I'd ever come to crying on stage um because you know when it's just Did you feel it oh I, Did yeah you feel I, the beginnings the pricks in your eyes um not the you know what I mean the pricks, yeah, of tears, there were a lot of pricks in that room uh, <laughs> they were like yeah. uh the, the, no not the tears but just the in your chest oh god and um I think it was because there were two men whispering you slag you're a slag <laughs> like so it was <laughs> actually incorrect I, i'm really bad you're a at slag. Yeah. <laughs> slag. What? that's such a weird thing to say i know it's horrible don't yeah. get me wrong but it's such a weird thing to say isn't it it's such it a is. weird handle and you're like you're a slag. <laughs> I, I wish I was, I, uh, <laughs> but I can't be. And also, oh my God. it wasn't loud enough for me to address it. 
and I was he like, if I, slag. yeah, because it was like, if I said, he, are you, did you call me a slag? I was like, well, everybody else in this room is going to be like, yeah, you're a slag. Slag, 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 slag. Right. So My I just God. had to like ride it out. Fucked up. Uh, sent a text to the female comedians group apologizing on behalf of all women. women's for what I'd done that night. And then as I left with my mum, who, because it was in the north, had given me a lift there, because uh, I don't, don't have a car, um, all of the, there were a lot of people outside chatting, having a fag, and then as we walked past, they went silent and watched me leave as I got into the car. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, I, I did a gig with an act the other day, and uh, they did badly on a good gig. Oh, no. And um, didn't adjust that uh, it's difficult to adjust but didn't address the issue that there, there was things that the act could have done to have made it better for themselves yeah. but they didn't and then as we were leaving like as they come off stage they were very buoyant about how things had gone and I was like because I was prepared I was like this you know wincing as they come off like oh you're right and they were like great room great room great great gig great gig and I was like wow and then they said oh you're gonna go outside because I've got to wait for a cab I went okay went outside and um as we walked out together audience members were there having a fag outside and um one of the audience members who'd been sitting in the front row went fuck me that was shit and the person had the act had heard them say that and then just sort of stopped by a wall next, like a foot up, two a foot away, and was just like, anyone got a light? And then uh, just sat there chatting. I was like, wow, like you have not been affected by this at all. Like you are bulletproof. It was amazing to see. Just like, but they would have gone, great gig, lovely gig, had a great time. Totally oblivious to that, to what had happened. Wow. It's incredible, absolutely yeah. incredible. That's wild. Oh, I'm so jealous of them. Yeah. Just I, imagine. I think we have uh, far exceeded uh, our time. I, I've really rambled and but, I'm so sorry. I did what mm -hmm. I do on when I was talking about doing Edinburgh shows and I could hear myself going, shut up, Ash. <laughs> I've just talked at you for an hour and a half. No, so. not at all. Uh, it's what, I mean, as I've said before, I do not edit because one... <laughs> largely because i can't do like it sounds shit if i edit it but also i feel like this has been a lovely chat and i, I am loath to remove anything unless it's like oh shit actually i, I should i really realized that i know this is about shit jobs but i realized my jobs have been so shit they're also really boring to talk about <laughs> i'm sorry not at all i they, yeah i think a, a lot of people have a similar experience of I it. feel like this has been therapy I feel boy I honestly feel like a weight's off my shoulders and I'm going to bounce out of this room and go about my day in a way I hadn't expected to earlier <laughs> on I'm so glad <laughs> how much do I owe you <laughs> if the patreon kicks off in about three years I might be able to drop people a tenner for doing this <laughs> no, no, I definitely, I owe you for that. Christ almighty, I've had pure um, therapy session. I feel like I've straightened out quite a lot of my issues. <laughs> I'm no, so not, none more so than my issues with Ross McGrain. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like we've 
I can bury the hatchet with the old the old boy now. I'll have to get him back on for a reaction podcast. <laughs> I should just point out I do love Ross, to be fair. Yeah, he's um, a, he's a very nice person. He, well, um, I don't know about that, but he's no, yeah, he's, he's yeah, he's yeah no, sorry. Uh, he's a he's a person. <laughs> he is uh, just a um, but if where where can people find you? What what are, what are you doing, um, Ashfred? I am I am I do a podcast with Justin Panks called the Pranks and Firth Podcast, which is our name spelt wrongly because people always get our names wrong. He was called Justin Panels the other day. He also gets Justin Pants. He gets he's once had Justin Penguins. It's <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Uh, so we do a podcast which is just us talking, but we do it every week um and we have done it for about seven years it's great um i am on twitch i'm ashfrith on everything ashfrith uh over on twitch there's a new thing coming which starts on the 25th which you're going to do soon which is uh i've just decided uh, <laughs> I I know. uh which is about our made up films we're going to talk about some films that we make up using a randomizer and i think it's going to be a really good idea mm-hmm. uh so go over on twitch and follow on there because i think that'll be fun uh, and other than that, I'm doing um, some live shows with Justin in uh, first ones in Ipswich in July. Uh, we're doing back to back sort of shows where I will be bored of my own voice halfway through and I will probably reference it. And we're doing it in Southend in September and we're doing it in Cambridge in August. But I don't know what the dates are of any of them. But on my Twitter, Ashrith, um, if you have any interest in coming to see them. It'd be great. And that goes for you, Catherine. I wasn't just talking to the audience. Please come. <laughs> Every bum on a seat is a bum on a seat, isn't it? You know what I'm genuinely the case. My parents are coming to Ipswich. I think it's so far, it's sold like five tickets at Ipswich show. And two of those are my parents. I'm like, this can't happen. Like, <laughs> there it is to me. I can't be talking about this, these things. And it's just like me talking to my mum and dad. So. Yeah, you'll get a last minute push. It always happens. That's not true. I've done no. Edinburgh. That isn't true. No, it's not true. I was just trying to make you feel better. <laughs> Edinburgh, where it's like the guy who come after me. I was up there for the entire month. I meant to be up there for the entire month. And uh, it was going so badly. The guy who was doing the show after me, after 20 minutes of me sitting in a room like this, just my head in my hands, because no one had turned up. After 20 minutes, he was like, am I all right to set up? <laughs> like every day, basically, it'd be like that. Oh, God. Awful. I was just, yeah. It was... And then Ross offered me a gig in um, in Kent. So about a week into me, I did about three shows of seven. And then Ross phoned me up and went, oh, I've got a gig for you. Do you want to do it? And I was like, I'm in Edinburgh. He's like, oh, that's a shame because it's good money. I was like, how much? He told me. I went, I'm going to come back. And I just <laughs> flew back. I flew back from Edinburgh and didn't go back, to, didn't go back up there. I think that's the only good way to do Edinburgh. Just leave? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I fucking great. hate that festival. Um, it isn't great. No, it's awful. Um, I am... I, I, I never tell people about what I'm doing, so I I'd hope love you don't to mind. I'm just I'd love like, to. so I do. Uh, I'm, I've written a well. I'm writing a show, so it's still work in progress. It's called "Scream Inside Your Heart." And I've seen the poster; it's great. It's such a good poster, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, my team were excellent. Uh, it was uh, Adrian Taus took the picture, and uh, William Stone. Um, he uh, made it look nice. It's uh, yeah, it's it. great. Um, but I'm doing that at. Oxford Fringe in July and I'm doing um, Camden Fringe on the 5th and 6th. I had a good time at Camden Fringe. I did that. I should do that more. I did it. I did three days and people come to each show. Yeah, it's great. It's uh, Yeah, yeah. it feels like quite a nice vibe. Yeah, they got a lot of London venues. 
what mode you want. Mm. Yeah, I should yeah. do that again, really. Yeah, do it. <laughs> Next year, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you thank you for having me uh thank you for being on uh we'll we'll see you next time <laughs>